This is a HeadGum Podcast. Overdue, it's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. Uh, My name's Andrew. And gotta we, go fast. We got a treat for you, and it's not Chili Dogs. <laughs> we read a book. Um, okay, each week on the show, uh, one of us, this week both of us, reads a book mm-hmm. we've never read before and talks about it, um, and you reap the benefits. Um, this is also our bonus episode for the month of February. So we have our Patreon, some of our Patreon supporters in the chat. Welcome, chat. Um, they'll be interrupting us throughout the stream. Andrew, what book did we read today? We read, and as everybody already knows, we read Sonic the Hedgehog, the official movie novelization, which there are a couple of funny things about this book cover. One is that it says now a major motion picture as though <laughs> it would exist. It's the novelization of a major motion picture. Like it's a feedback Well, loop. if you read the cover in order... It's mm-hmm. Sonic the Hedgehog, now a major, now a major motion, motion picture, picture. Mm-hmm. then Sonic himself, then the official movie novelization. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and the, yeah. If you did, you also notice that if you look at the title upside down, it just says Dinos. It does say Dinos. It just, <laughs> I think that <laughs> make sure that everybody can see it at home. It just says Dinos. Just says dinos. Very strange. <laughs> I never is that. True? This is like the FedEx arrow. Like once you see it. That Sonic upside down is dinos. You can never unsee it. Uh, Tysophine in the chat asks, why in the world would you novelize Sonic the Hedgehog? WTF. Andrew, where did this book come from? Um, The movie of Sonic the Hedgehog. That's now in theaters and is one of the top movies in the freaking Currently world. In theaters, <laughs> and it's doing much better than anybody predicted that it would. Sorry, I just also wanted to mention about the cover that the author's name. Yeah. Which is... Kyle or Keel Fagley. I'm going to go with Kyle. I've I've seen no evidence to the contrary, but we'll go with that. It appears nowhere on the outer cover. You do have to go to the second oh of God. the two title right. pages to get I thought to it was the, at least on the, the spine. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's super not. It's nowhere on the thing. Uh, so this, this came out because of the Sonic movie. Yeah. Which is out in theaters now, and it's doing absurdly well in the mm-hmm. vein of a some. They cracked video game movies at some point. I don't know. I don't think Detective Pikachu is the first, but I think because of it and because of Sonic, we are going to see other like Nintendo got snake bit by the Super Mario Brothers movie, and so they haven't really had a cinematic universe yet. But I wouldn't be surprised to see them expand their efforts beyond Detective Pikachu now that things are starting to. Well, and they're gonna they're gonna roll out some sort of uh, Super Mario theme park in Japan soon. So I wouldn't be surprised if they come out with some sort of movie that wraps in whatever the design for that is as yeah. well. My parents but, are visiting, and my mother told me there's going to be some kind of Nintendo World down in Florida as part of the sure amusement park industrial complex <laughs> down yep, there. Yep, yep. Um, um, Gloria so asks this, if this is if this design is the first creepy version or the updated one. It is the updated one. There is a story there. So back in April of 2019, I think they released the initial trailer for the Sonic the Hedgehog film. Yes, cinematic and film. The, and the character model of Sonic, who had weirdly human eyes and teeth, and was an ugly, otherwise like an ugly rat, was really poorly received by the fans. To the extent that they decided, okay, well, I guess we have to do it over. <laughs> yeah, and they like—I think they bumped the release of the movie a little bit. There is a there is a Newsweek story, which I think I think it speaks to our current media and landscape. It says Sonic the Hedgehog movie redesign not part of a conspiracy, says artist. 
Yeah, there was like a there was a conspiracy a f- theory that yeah, like there was a false they, flag. Yeah, they did it bad on purpose to make everyone pay attention, and then they made like uh you know an animation studio work triple overtime for three months to fix it. Yeah, that's definitely they definitely did that on purpose. My understand, I mean, my understanding is that all these animation studios have to work triple overtime all the that's time. True. Anyway. That's true. Like there, it's a pretty common problem in the in the cgi industry actually is like they'd start these studios up and then crunch them to finish a movie and then like pull their contract and shut them down after i, I yeah i, I think need to do some more research to down. be more specific but um but yeah it's a big it's a big problem tim in the not, chat like a major if you're not like pixar or pixar jr which is how what i call DreamWorks. dreamworks um Tim in the chat asks how much it cost for this redesign. I quickly found an IndieWire article that put it at around five million. It cost Paramount five million that's more dollars. That's a lot. Um, let me look up Sonic the Hedgehog movie Wikipedia. How much it's made? That's what you want to know. Well, I want to see. So it was made for its budget was eighty-one to ninety-five million. So not. A he, it, it, somewhere, but it's like seven percent of its total budget was just doing Sonic again because it was bad the first time. Mm, mm. <laughs> what, what an expense! I've never made a mistake that expensive, and I hope I never do. I don't. I don't think Brian asked how do we feel about like fans influencing movie development. I don't know that I have a big opinion about it, except this seems like it kind of sucks. But also, the Sonic sucks. So well, I yeah, I think I do. In this case, I think it's a net positive because the old Sonic was bad. Like it was objectively bad. Yeah, it was bad to the point where I've got to think that people working on the movie just got like used to it and so couldn't see how bad it was anymore as happens sure. sometimes on a creative project. That's but. true. Let's get into the book, Andrew, because we could probably talk about a movie we haven't seen for a long time. It's true. We haven't seen it, though. As with Detective Pikachu, I'm sure if it ever drops on HBO, we can watch it on New Year's Eve. Yes. <laughs> um, Mr. Fegley <laughs> has written a lot of books that are licenses of things um, I believe he is also a professor at places like Eastern Michigan University. I did find him on RateMyProfessors.com. I what, think. Uh, does he have like chili peppers or whatever? Uh, do they still do that? Was that? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I think that was, was that them. I don't remember. A lot of people said he was awesome. He makes you read like Harry Potter books in his class because he's a children's literature guy. Um, he has written book multiple Sonic books. He has written the Monster Jam official guidebook. He has what written is Monster Jam. Monster Jam is that's the, my favorite Goosebumps book. It's the current like big brand monster truck syndicate that's out there. I saw them last year. It was really fun. Um, there's the Halo official Spartan field manual that he <laughs> nice, wrote. Nice, 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 nice. Um, some Hello Neighbor books. Just lots of lots of stuff that pertains to stuff kids like. Um, and he seems to be having a good time with it. Um, I did pull together some research on Sonic himself, Andrew, so that mm-hmm. everybody has like a base. We have like a base of knowledge on who we're taught, who this hedgehog is and where he came from. Mm-hmm. And why um, he has to go so fast. He does have to go so fast. So he came on the scene in 1991, um, right after Super Mario 3 came out for the Super Nintendo, or no, the regular Nintendo, um, Sega, the company, really wanted a mascot to counter Mario. They already had one called Alex Kidd, but nobody liked him, and they wanted something that was more like a Mickey Mouse. Um, yeah, like if you, so, um, video game, a little video game console history is yeah. like Nintendo... So, okay, Atari kind of ruins the video game market in, like, the late 70s, early 80s. Nintendo kind of brings it back, and because they are successful in doing this and they do a bunch of licensing stuff, they're kind of the only game in town for game consoles. But Sega did do something before the Genesis. It was called the Sega Master System, and it's kind of busted, and but it was like really big in Brazil and South America. And they've <laughs> been having places. a lot of they've been having a lot of success in arcades, but they didn't have a like console home mascot. Right, 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 right. So like in as the regular Nintendo's winding down and the Super Nintendo is not quite here yet, they released the Genesis 
and they decide they need a better mascot than Alex Kidd, who had been like the Master System mascot. And I think Sonic is the first of many, many, many like animal video game characters with attitude who appear in video games in this era. <laughs> yes. And it was they and their whole marketing blitz around it was, well, Mario's a big, fat, slow Italian man. <laughs> uh-huh. And wouldn't you rather be a very fast, cool hedgehog? So there's a cool and a lot of for a lot of people. The answer was yes. Did <laughs> Michael McWhorter writing for Polygon? There's an article called The Origins of Sonic the Hedgehog. Talked to Naoto Shuma and Hirokazu Yasuhara, who helped create Sonic and uh, they were tasked with coming up with something to represent Sega. They tried an armadillo, a porcupine, a dog, and an old guy with a mustache who later became Robotnik. We'll talk about him. Um, the hedgehog was the most popular. And they had three keywords, Andrew. Uh-huh. Cool, challenger, mm-hmm. and history. And so and they wanted... The episode <laughs> of The Simpsons with Poochie. I got to think that the design process for Sonic had a lot of Poochie style. Yeah. Up like apparently, design. apparently, Ashima like went to his bosses with a made-up backstory about how he had found inspiration for Sonic in like old documents about planes. Um, there was a pilot in the 1940s who earned the nickname Hedgehog because he loved to fly at high speeds, which caused his hair to stick up in spikes. Okay, and, okay, okay. I was going to be like, when did you, when do you get to the part where the hedgehog thing is relevant? Yep, and the <laughs> nose art on his plane contained a painting of a hedgehog, as did the pilot's leather flight jacket. The speed-obsessed pilot later married a woman who wrote an illustrated children's book. She wrote a story about a hedgehog based on her husband, and that became the premise of the original Sonic the Hedgehog. None of that is real. Mr. Oshima made that up to convince oh, his bosses. That he had a cool, like, American inspiration for this character. So I was, was going to say, like, we were so close there to having Sonic the Porcupine uh-huh. instead. Yep. Because that's another spiky animal. Because they wanted a thing that could roll, and that's, like, a big thing of, of Sonic. He goes fast, and he gets into a ball, and then he can, he can, like, roll through the stage. And the way that the levels were designed and the system was powerful enough, they had these cool looking vertical loops that he could do blast it's processing um anything I do, I do just want to flash up on the screen real quick to yeah. confirm that yes the original sonic logo when viewed upside down also says dinos so it's always been dinos and now you cannot <laughs> see it um there are a bunch of sonic books that have already existed there's like there were promo comics that came out when the game came out. There's been an Archie comic for ages. There are six Sonic the Hedgehog game books, Andrew. Um, game books, do you mean like choose your own adventure style? Select a quest books? stories, sure. yeah. So, well, okay, select a quest stories, yeah. <laughs> for people who want to avoid Chusco's wrath. Yeah, and there's a there's an early guide called Stay Sonic that came out in 1993 in the UK that has like an alternate canon. There's a section on the Sonic Wiki called Early Sonic Canon, which is a catch-all term for various backgrounds of the Hed- Sonic the Hedgehog series um, that involves Sonic originally being a brown hedgehog who became blue after running faster than the speed of sound. He was also the product of experiments by a kind scientist named Dr. Kintabor, which is just Robotnik backwards. I, do, I think I read a comic book that talked about the Kintobor story. What's the deal with Eggman? Was Eggman always the name of Robotnik in Japan and they changed it to Robotnik for over here? I think so. I think it's that's hard the to case. it's hard to pin that whole business down. Um a, a doc Dr. Eggman is his is his uh his name in some of the games and media. Um, he was always shaped that way. So I don't know how they handle that in the film because it's Jim Carrey in the film. Um, anything else about the background of Sonic, this book or this film or this movie that you want to fill in? I don't think so. Like what was your, what's your relationship to Sonic as oh, a, sure. as somebody who plays video games? Um, we did not own a Sega in my house. My cousin's, uh, at my aunt's house, I had a Sega, and they had they had a Sega Genesis specifically, and they had Sonic games. So I would play them 
when I went up to their house for the holidays sometimes, and I would like, you know, you play it for 10 minutes, and it's Sonic, and you go fast, and you feel like you're missing stuff, and then you get to a water level, and you die, and you don't want to play Sonic anymore. Like, that's just my experience <laughs> with Sonic that's the Hedgehog. I, yeah, that's what I find so frustrating about trying to play Sonic is that my my brain is just trained to play Mario games, which are always, like, a Mario game's job one is to get you to always be hopping into empty air to try and find cool hidden stuff. Yes, correct. And Sonic just isn't set up that way, and there there's, there are things to find, but they're not important. It's all just like temporary like rings or, or invincibility items that wear off really quickly, so they're not really vital to to the gameplay. And yep. it's just it doesn't it doesn't do anything in my brain. It doesn't release nope. any endorphins. And so like I think even as we get into this story, I bet there are there are kids watching who have seen the Sonic film very excited because they watch things like Sonic Boom or Sonic X, which are like apparently popular Sonic cartoons in the last 10 to 15 years. There's apparently a pretty good Sonic like Mario Kart equivalent that you could play if you wanted to play. Si- quick sidebar. Everybody don't pay attention for a second. Craig, we got to play Garfield Kart. <laughs> we do got to play Garfield Kart. You're very okay, correct. Next time, next yes. time we play video games, we're going to play Garfield Kart. Okay, great. Um, okay, cool, cool, cool. Wait, wait, wait. Right, wait. Back Se- to the sh- sidebar. Back- no, sidebar within a sidebar. Wait, okay, okay, sure. When are we going to do a Garfield episode? <laughs> as soon as the next Garfield movie comes out. Guess when our episodes drop, Andrew? What's that? On what? Mondays. <laughs> no. Garfield hates Mondays. Okay. Um, are you done with your sidebar? Yes, I'm done with my okay, sidebar. Okay, I'm done with mine too. I couldn't close the parentheses until you closed yours. Great. Let's okay, talk back to the about show. the book, Sonic the Hedgehog, the official movie novelization by Kyle Fegley. Um, the opening line, Andrew. Well, first, let's point out that on the second title page, it says, Sonic the Hedgehog, the official movie novelization. That means it's a book version of everything cool that happened in the movie. <laughs> Picture of Sonic, <laughs> Kyle Fagley. <laughs> chapter one. We're chapter not just one. gonna read this book, but chapter one, he had to go fast. Faster than a jet plane, faster than the speed of sound, faster than lightning. Sonic had to be the fastest thing alive. What choice did he have with the missiles on his heels? Crash shoom. There's a lot of noises in this book. Mm-hmm. If you're reading with a kid, there's lots of noises in this book. Um Andrew, this book opens with a real like bet you're wondering how I got here moment. Yes, it really, it really does. (laughs) And if you are wondering how he got there, the good news is that it does go back and tell you how he got there. Truth, 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 truth. And so if there's anyone listening who has seen the film, we have not, so we can't compare this to the movie. We're just experiencing this this as a book. I want to experience the novelization as its own separate piece of art. So my brain would not fill in any like obvious narrative gaps or weird things with things that I saw on the silver screen. Yeah. The closest things that like snuck into my mind are that the two major human characters, Tom Wachowski, uh, AKA donut Lord, which we'll talk about. Um, and Dr. Robotnik, They were played by James Marsden and Jim Carrey, respectively, in the film. So I knew whenever I heard their names on the page, uh, that's not how that works, but I would picture those actors, except I had a little trouble picturing Jim Carrey just because the Robotnik language is so strange and specific. I didn't really envision... Yeah, it's channeling like a mid-90s Jim Carrey that he hasn't showed us in a while, though apparently he is actually fun to watch in the movie. Yes. Um, I could not tell you with a gun to my head what James Marsden looks like, so I <laughs> didn't really have a thing in my head for Tom. Um, <laughs> Timothy in the chat says, how fast are we talking, though, if he goes at rel- relativistic velocity? That could cause a lot of problems for him. In the book, his fastest clock clock speed is somewhere above 300 miles per hour. I think later in the book when he is using chaos energy to like transcend time, he is going faster than 302. Yeah, but it does um it does tell us actual concrete speeds. At, for yes, at multiple times. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. correct. Um uh, Andrew James Marsden was Cyclops from the X Men. Does that help? Oh, cool. Nah. Nope, not really. <laughs> I can see Cyclops. 
Oh, Daniel's trying to help you, Andrew. Liz Lemon's eventual husband on 30 Rock. Spoilers. Oh, yeah, him. He's cute. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, we've not talked about this book at all. Where does Sonic come from, Andrew? Tell me. Uh, Sonic comes from... The speed of sound is 767 miles per hour, which actually makes Sonic substantially lower, slower than the fastest things on Earth. If he's only running at 300 miles per hour. Okay, good to know. Just saying. Uh, so Sonic comes from another planet where he lives with somebody named Longclaw. Who's an old owl. And what's Longclaw's deal? Does he just like know that Sonic is special and that yeah. if people know about him and his like special fastness and his energy that they're going to come looking for him so they can exploit him? That's the deal? Yeah, they're, they live on a planet where it's basically just furries and there are evil and i don't mean that drug i just mean that like animals are there but they're you know sentient and have you know culture and stuff um hmm. and like still describing the planet earth in some places but okay you oh, sure you know what i mean though like they are people but they just happen to be animals um they uh there are evil Echidna, who we don't really see that much, who clearly want Sonic. It, all my anime fans out there, Sonic's basically like Naruto. Like, he's born with special chaos energy in him that Longclaw knows is dangerous if used improperly. And so mm-hmm. Longclaw dies trying to protect Sonic. Um, she gives Sonic a bag of golden rings, call back to the game. Um, which allow you to transport through the universe based on your heart's desire. No, no that is not from the game. No, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she's she's like, okay, here's your emergency ring, which you can use to get to the mushroom planet, which I'm wondering if it's a Mario reference, but who knows? I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure, because we do see a glimpse of it later, but we can talk about that toward the yes. end of the book. Um, and also, what if you went to Earth, which is through one of them? And he's like, cool, 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 I'll go there. And she's like, don't trust anyone. Just go there and hide, which seems like a kind of sucky thing to tell him to do. Like, he promises mm-hmm. to not talk to a single human. And that promise really screws him up. Like, I feel like it's... Yeah. If I'm Longclaw, like, what is... Why can't Longclaw just say, like, use your best judgment? <laughs> Because <laughs> she doesn't, I guess she doesn't trust Sonic's judgment because he's basically a teenager and he doesn't have really good like impulse control. Obviously, yeah, like he's like ten to twelve. Maybe they say he's thirteen, but he's basically like a very young, hyperactive teenager. Um, Tess asks in the chat, "What is chaos energy?" That's a great question. The book, uh, yeah, I don't know that I know that after <laughs> reading the book. I also love one thing I love about our chat right now is it's really obvious who has seen the movie and who has not. <laughs> Gloria, I'm looking at you. <laughs> so he just kind of lives like this really sad existence in Green Hills. Green Hills, where does it specify? Um, it just keeps saying Podunk is the only place. It is f- far from San Francisco. That's what I know <laughs> what, about Green Hills. Where isn't far from San Francisco? <laughs> but it's like it, it's a couple days drive from San Francisco. So I feel like we're talking about maybe this, like the northwest or southwest somewhere. Yes, yeah, sure. Um, Green Hills in, is a reference to I'm, the Green yeah, Hills I'm, Zone. Yeah. I know about of the course, Green Hills from zone. which is the first level of Sonic the Hedgehog. But yeah, there are a lot of so there are. Let's just talk real quick about references to other Sonic media. So Green Hills is the name of the fir- I believe level one one in the first Sonic the Hedgehog game, and then a couple of times Sonic in this book makes oblique references to enjoying chili dogs, which longtime fans will know was the favorite food of the cartoon version of Sonic in the 90s, voiced by Jaleel White, also known as Urkel. Urk or Steve, Stefan Urkel. Stefan Urkel, played by the same actor. Um, Yes. Jilly Nogs. (laughs) It was such a weird cartoon and had nothing to do with the, like, rise up against evil Robotnik eco-terrorism cartoon that followed, like, six years later, which was really dark and gritty and I liked a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, can I get just real quick? Can I get a chili dogs from you just to test your sound levels? Chili dogs. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. So he's living in this town on Earth. He's like he harasses people in the town. 
like messing around with this old guy named Carl. He lives in a cave by himself with a bunch of stuff that he stole. Um, he, he spends a lot of time talking to himself. Like there is yeah. a there are several scenes in this book that obviously are just like a movie sequence transcribed and it doesn't work all that well. There's like this it's a scene where Sonic is acting as his own therapist and he's doing like a sort of Smeagol Gollum <laughs> like one person split screen routine because he's so fast that he can run around to the thing it's very bugs for the bunny. benefit of the camera yeah it's <laughs> very guess. bugs bunny like mm-hmm. he because that scene transitions into a scene where he plays baseball by himself with which just is a bugs bunny cartoon it's kind of a twilight vibes it does northwest you know supersonic baseball is very twilight you're right um, Bean points out i too live in a cave by myself with a bunch of stuff i've stolen what a coincidence <laughs> Living that sonic life. <laughs> that sonic life. Um, in between, like right before he plays baseball by himself, we do meet Mr. Tom Wachowski, who Sonic refers to as Donut Lord. He's a cop who, li- who works he, this podunk town. He's Donut Lord because he also talks to himself, and sometimes All he the talks time. to his donuts before he eats them, and so Sonic takes that to mean that he is boss of the donuts. Donut Lord. <laughs> it's unclear. Sonic... Do, is, am I right that at one point Sonic makes a reference to like Obi Wan Kenobi? Like Sonic's knowledge I know of that... pop culture is really erratic. Well, I know that he also mentions Amazon's like drone delivery program at one point too, and when, when they're fighting some of Robotnik's drones. Can you believe Amazon's going to use these things? He says, <laughs> "Jeez." Um, but so we we meet Donut Lord briefly just to know that he's there and that Sonic is aware of him. Um, Donut Lord does have a dream. He gets accepted to the police, like force of San Francisco. So his, Donut Lord's a cop. His loving have to live with that. His loving veterinary veterinarian wife decides to go down to San Francisco ahead of him to search for property to live in because it's such I mean, a bad housing market. That that does happen. When Susan and I moved to New Brunswick, she did some apartment hunting solo yes because i was i think i was doing it like a job interview or something true and so yeah it, it's a thing he's divide labor as a couple yes yes and he has to stay there because he's the only cop so like he has to be around in case people need him um and sonic gets so sad while he's playing baseball by himself that he causes like an emp explosion he gets really sad and he starts running in a diamond really fast and another thing that's not really featured in the games that is featured in this, well, I mean, it might, it's not featured in the original games. There might be some like Xbox 360 game where Sonic is also filled with electricity, but uh, he runs in a diamond and he gets really sad and he makes a big like electric storm tornado that blows up and causes a huge electrical disturbance for hundreds of miles all around. Yes, I think in like after Sonic Adventure for the Dreamcast is when you start getting like supersonic. He kisses a lady at one point, and he has magic powers. So that's yeah. uh, Chell's in the chat, who also obviously has seen the movie. Wait, no, she she says I've heard Olive Garden plays a larger role in the film. So plausible <laughs> deniability for yes. Chell. Um, but yeah, Olive Garden is not in the book. Uh, Zillow, as Gloria mentions, is in the movie. It's not in the book. I I think a lot of the brand names got cut out, unfortunately, which is a shame because I feel like it would have been interesting um it's also but it's interesting to use as a guide for who did and did not pay for product placement in the sonic movie because surely this was based off of a screenplay draft or something and it might not have had and then sonic munched his doritos and he was really sad (laughs) yeah because this hit like the same day like I got this in my mail the day the movie came out so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, because they didn't want they want people to get spoiled Yes. Um, after the EMP explosion, the government calls in Dr. Robotnik. Does Robotnik, Dr. Robotnik have a first name in this? Um, I don't Do you know. Have, I think I have his first. Hmm. Dr. I don't know. I just see a, a, a line where he's referring to someone as a GI jerk. I don't know. GI jerk. <laughs> I don't yeah, really Dr. know. Dr. Robotnik is the Defense Department's top engagement analyst. So I yeah. guess he's, he kind of 
matches people up and like judges their compatibility. Definitely. So they get engaged. I get it. I see. It's yeah. like love is blind. It's a whole thing. Uh, <laughs> so Dr. Robotnik, who doesn't have a first name, is apparently employed by the United States government to, I don't know, like look at weird technical anomalies. Dr. He's Evo Robotnik. Evo Robotnik. Okay. I-V-O or Ivo. I'm not sure. Um, and he's got this this agent who follows him around named Agent Stone. My f- personal favorite moment in the book is when Robotnik and Agent Stone show up on the scene of this chaos energy explosion accident. Yes. Um, oh man, everybody's dropping really good <laughs> Robotnik knowledge. Uh, but um, he is he he shows up and he like reports to the major who's on the scene investigating, and he is taking control of the situation. Uh, Dr. Robotnik is the Defense Department's top engagement analyst, Stone said in a clipped tone so beautiful it was almost mechanical. He has five PhDs, an IQ you couldn't count to, and control over drone technology so revolutionary your grunts won't touch it for 10 years. In a crisis incident such as this, all chains of command bend to his jurisdiction. In short, Major, you're basic. Stand aside. (laughs) And... To have a creature so of the 90s and of this like 90s tood yeah. aesthetic in this book, it's so interesting to see them update it with <clears throat> slang as, as recent as like five years old. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> in impressive. In which Robotnik and his underlings refer to someone as basic. Yes. He's well, he's a very 21st century character in this book. He's a drone lord. Like, basic is probably older than that. I'm showing it's probably a little basic, yeah, by the time we know about it. Um, a little bit later, the next I'm thinking specifically of the good place, like the basic, yeah, that that sort of wave of that's probably when a lot of basic people found out about what basic was, actually. (laughs) Yes, it's true. (laughs) Um, so Robotnik finds a, a single blue quill on the baseball diamond that is rippling with chaos energy and he's going to use it to track down its source um and later in the book he uses it to like start becoming super powerful himself um i was also struck by the next robotnik chapter which fegley does a pretty good job in the robotnik sections of giving you like a real close third person where like the non dialogue is still colored by the the person's thoughts um, mm-hmm. So chapter seven opens. The only thing between Robotnik and a perfectly automated world was the U.S. Constitution. <laughs> At which point I dropped the book. Like I had to put it down. Um, uh, yeah, I <laughs> I have like little tags, like little bookmarks for the things that I wanted to make sure that we got to. And my tag for this one does say "extra judicial Robotnik" on it. <laughs> If he could shred the blasted thing in the name of order, he would. But as it stood, he legally couldn't stride into any private domicile in search of the creature. This is him. He has made it to Tom Wachowski's house where Sonic is hiding out after surprising Tom, who shot him with a trank dart. Then Sonic's bag of golden rings fell off a shelf. And one of them Tom was holding, so it showed San Francisco, and then the rest of the rings fell through the ring to San Francisco. To San Francisco, it's not clear if the like the ring location technology plays off of like other physical objects in the world around you, or just what you're thinking in your brain, or a little of both. Yes, it's unclear. But yeah, it's it's but it's so that Robotnik thinks so highly of himself and has a bunch of drone robots that are obviously like nominally like the property property of the u.s government but only really beholden to him it is interesting that he's like well if there weren't all these dang laws i would just i would just take everything over well i'm only constrained by the strength of united states institutions (laughs) Um, and so as the as the book wears on and he realizes how special and powerful and magical Sonic is, he his megalomaniacal brain. Um, That's you bringing some chaos energy. Yeah. To the podcast now. He's just like, how can I harness that energy? Because I would love the world to basically be rid of people and just be other machines like that's his end goal. 
which he doesn't enter the book with, but he decides that it might be possible based on this magic creature. I thought because every time he refers to organic things, he's always thinking about them as like meat, which is oh yeah, I think instructive. Oh man, I wish I like, had people that... like s- smell like meat or they're yeah. made of meat. I wish I had that quote to hand, but it's really you... yeah. Keep going, and I'll see if I can find it. Um, so. There's a there's a big like Sonic and Tom meet each other. Sonic's like, oh, Donut Lord, what's up? And he's like, why do you call me Donut Lord? My name is Tom. Um, and they become fast friends because Tom is a good guy. He wants to be a good cop who takes care of people. And so he's going to help Sonic get to San Francisco <laughs> uh, so that they can get the magic rings back so that Sonic can get back to his... Well, not back to his home planet because that's where the echidna killed his owl grandma. But he will use the rings to get to the mushroom zone, which I presume will be safe. That is the that is the the MacGuffin of the story is the bag of rings in the Trans American Pyramid Building in San Francisco. Um, on their road trip, they escape Doctor Robotnik. Um, they get on the road, they're driving Tom's car, they stop, I don't remember why they stop, but they stop at a honky-tonk bar. Well, because Sonic is, is, he's in this car, which is going very slow by his standards, and we all know that Sonic's gotta go fast, I can just, like, throw up a couple of just little reminders about yep, 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 please do. Um, and he, you know, he's, he, this is his first contact with another sentient being, that's like aware of his presence since his pal Longclaw was killed by echidnas. <laughs> uh-huh. He's never had a and friend. S- yeah, and so he's he's really eager to be amongst these people and experience this emotion that you call love. You know? Yeah, it's true. And just like chilling with his friend James Marsden. Um so they like they have this like this is a scene that is like from a kid's movie where they go to a dive bar and yeah, this is it's clearly a transcription of a montage that should have like my baby takes the morning train or something under. It. Yeah. <laughs> but and it can't because it's a book that can't mention any real songs or licensed products or anything with like a name that you would sh- have to clear with legal. Yes. And uh, some what was this? Tyson in the chat is asking, why doesn't Sonic just like push the car or something? Um, question. He did get he did get shot with a trank dart that was big enough to take down a bear. So he's like slowly regaining his speed and fits and spurts as they're traveling together. And also like he needs I don't know that he could push the car the whole way. Like I don't know exactly how what he can bench press. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's do a little com- a comment catch up here. Um, Evo or Ivo says test the character's original first name is a reverse of Ovi, a prefix based on a Latin word for eggs. For eggs. Sure. Eggman. <laughs> uh, Daniel says never t- trust anyone with multiple grad degrees. Agreed. Sometimes even one is too many. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tess asks when, since when is a cop a good guy? If this is fiction, like try and suspend your disbelief. Uh, I think that's yeah. I think that's and, and Gloria says, "Oh yeah, Sonic doesn't know where San Francisco is, so he does have he does." That is need... also true. I, I'm really glad we have Gloria, our <laughs> resident film Shout buff, out to here Gloria in the to, chat to really he keep us prepared. on the straight and narrow about the Sonic movie. So, I'm not. I'm not trying to make fun of you at all. This truly is making me very happy. That so Gloria's this is like actually, this is how it went. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Um, so this is the spot that is like, oh, you brought your kids to this movie. They're in this this bar. They've tried to dress Sonic up like a small person, um, which does not go over well. I'm not even really sure why these people pick a fight. Um, he, like, bumped into someone. Um, someone calls Sonic a hipster doofus. <laughs> sure, sure. The ultimate insult. And uh, Sonic decides to just start pranking on all the biker dudes. In every direction that Tom looked, he saw something flying toward him. Chairs, bottles, fists, spit, screams. But no matter how he jerked, duck, or swung, nothing hit him. Instead, Wait, he electric- saw the screams coming toward him? 
Okay, Instead, great. an electric blue whirlwind sprung around the entire room in overlapping scribbly lines of light. Whatever Sonic touched, he transformed into something ridiculous. A dude throwing a tray from the kitchen snapped out of focus until all the chili dogs were eaten off the plate and spaghetti hair covered his eyes. Another attacker found both his feet in rolling mop buckets and then wheeled straight into the love detector machine. Two massively muscled goons came within an inch of Tom, but with dizzying speed, they were wrapped in toilet paper like mummies. It was like the craziest Three Stooges movie ever in Super Fast Forward. So that, you know, I don't know what music was playing during that sequence, but it might as well have been Black Betty. Like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Timothy asks if if there ever is a dive bar scene in a movie that doesn't end badly. And I will point you to the dive bar scene in Pee-wee's Big Adventure where he puts on the big shoes and he dances on the bar to the song Tequila and then all the bikers are his good friends after. And he does crash the motorcycle that he they give him and has to go to the hospital, but that's not their fault. Like, the bar is a friendly place. <laughs> and he wins them over with his good dancing. That's a good point. I don't mm. have one of those. Um, but well, you I'm should glad that you prepared. do. I'm glad I do, too. Um, so then there, there's, like, a car chase sequence where... Robotnik is like shooting rockets at them again, or he's shooting drones at them. I don't really remember how. I had trouble parsing some <laughs> of the action sequences, like the geometry, and I don't think that's Mr. Fegley's fault necessarily, um, because I do think that modern filmmaking, a lot of action sequences are meant to be very disorienting. They're just edited in a way that just makes you go, wow, stuff's happening, huh? Yeah, a, like it's 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 common in so many movies and, and TV shows, especially like sort of middle to like lower middle brow stuff, where yeah. they're just trying to hit you with the the glitz and and really fast moving stuff, so your brain doesn't have time to like think about all the stuff that's yeah that's wrong. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, and, and I think that's what's happening here. There's there's an argument to be made that like it doesn't all have to be super rational. Just as long as you can follow like what you're supposed to be paying attention to. And and I had trouble with that. Sonic's driving the car while Tom is on the roof of the car, like punching a drone. Um and then Sonic gets like super angry and does like a freaking Hadouken or something and like blows yeah. up Robotnik's Doom Buggy with his Chaos this- Energy Blast. This drains his health. This is like one of those really strong Pokemon moves that then damages your Pokemon with recoil damage. It does. Mm-hmm. It spends like HP instead of like energy points or whatever Pokemon yeah. have. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know they that part of Pokemon. Points. They, they have hit well, points. do they have magic points? They have uh, power. It's PP. I think PP, it's power yeah. points. Sure. Which is every move can be used a set number of times before you have to heal it up. Yes. Um, so then... Uh, while our heroes make their way to San Francisco, we get another scene with Dr. Robotnik where he... Is this the dance scene? Can you tell me more about the dance scene, please? Yeah, dude. Can you read me large excerpts of the dance scene? (laughs) So he gets in like a little bit of an argument with Agent Stone. I think this may be a little bit of wherever that... I, don't I couldn't remember. find the exact, the exact meat reference. Like it's really clear in my mind, but... yeah. I don't remember either, but he's like, hey, Agent Stone, everything's been messed up. Could you just get me a latte and don't mess it up? And he's like going on and on about how his machines never fail him. Um, The agent ran out, leaving Robotnik alone with the glory of his own mind, (laughs) the humming of his flawless machines, and the mystery of the quill. In a sealed glass case, the piece of the hedgehog those twits had left behind glowed, the same glow that had lit the inside of Robotnik's battle van when that creature zapped every electric fuse within 40 miles. Now it's time to understand what that meant. Robotnik flipped the switch on his stereo and a steady drum machine rhythm pulsated out of the speakers. Funky bass licks filled the air and the doctor went to work wiring every piece of triangulating tech he had to the blue quill. His eyes went wild with anticipation as his screen sprung to life, feeding him data. And his feet took flight in sync with the jams. Dance! 
glorious undulating movement to the pre-programmed robotic soul of the stereo. Sealed in his workshop, Robotnik could finally shut out the disgusting breathing sounds of his fellow humans and be at one with his pelvic thrusts. The more he stared into the chaotic energy of this hedgehog, the more Robotnik became obsessed with the potential of harnessing its disorder. With that kind of power source, he could convert the whole world into a robot revolution. Woo. Above the capture quill, an energy meter revved up its intensity green to yellow to red in seconds as every alarm began ringing in time with Robotnik's pure funky breakdown. Yes, he cheered as the distinctive energy signature of the hedgehog fed its data into his computer. Yes, yes, fingerprint that blue freak and bring him to Papa. <laughs> Go to Papa. Everybody in the chat is asking some version of the question, why this so horny, though? And I can't, I don't know, except to say this is the point where I became absolutely convinced that they wrote this role with Jim Carrey in mind and they asked him to do Like this, this, this passage had the the most like Jim Carrey physical comedy energy. Yes, I yes. Think. It was very The Mask. It was very... <laughs> it also reminded me of... I don't remember... If, did you ever see Tropic Thunder, Andrew? No, I never saw Tropic Thunder. So there's... I believe it's in Tropic Thunder. Tom Cruise is... Like, he was not in any of the trailers, and he randomly appears as, like, the guy's agent, and he's wearing a bunch of, like, body makeup. Like, he's, like, wearing, like, a fat suit and some, like, prosthetics and stuff. And then I think he does a dance all by himself to the Apple Bottom Jeans song. And it's like <laughs> this random aside that is just meant to like entertain in, the, in like a breath from the weird plot. And then they bring it back for the credit sequence later. It really feels like, I don't know, it just reminded me of that as like this does not need to be there for the movie to work as a story. But because the story's very thin, like this is the part of the circus event that you have come. I just didn't know why it needed to be so sexy, though. <laughs> it, I don't know why it needed to be so sexy. I know that in the movie it fills two purposes, and one is to make use of Jim Carrey's rubber body, and two is to fill precious minutes. Because <laughs> truth, in any animated truth. movie, you're always fighting to get up to that like magical 87 or whatever. Like, I love an 80-minute film. Uh, the minimum number of minutes you can have for a movie is. So that was that was a cool part of the book, though. Gloria says, "Where evil grows is the dance that play the song that plays during the dance sequence in the movie." Okay, I'm not familiar with that one. I am not familiar with that song. It appears to be a '70s song by the Poppy Family. There is a 720p video of it on YouTube, as the resolution mentioned prominently in the <laughs> in the listing. So we'll have to listen to this one. Okay, we are already thinking about using Sonic music as the intro to the episode maybe we'll maybe we'll put this at the end yeah maybe we'll put yeah yeah can you send me a link of that later Um, yeah yeah so everybody can uh can be at one with their pelvic thrust oh my god the funky (laughs) bass licks um so that's like i guess how robotnik gets ready to to go catch these guys and like sonic has called him robotnik and tom wachowski punched him in the face and so now he, he not only wants this energy but he is like I got to get these guys specifically back. They make it to San Fran. There's like a brief scene with um, what is his wife's name? She has a name. Uh, like pretzel lady is what Maddie. Sonic calls her. Oh, Sonic calls her pretzel lady. Pretzel like... lady? Pretzel queen? Pretzel well, lady. Because she does, she does yoga and she can bend herself into pretzels, which is yes. the most... Pretzel lady. Innocuous. Like, if you're not referring to literal pretzels, if you're referring to somebody using their body, that's the most and only probably innocuous reason that you could have for talking about how flexible they are. (laughs) Um, The thing I like about how chapter 13 starts is it says Tom and Sonic rattled into San Francisco in the late afternoon. How they ever made it, the policeman couldn't figure out, which is either the screenplay or Kyle just being like, "Eh, I don't know. I don't want to do this part. (laughs) I think it's supposed to be like how they survived that scrape with Robotnik, but it is also. I guess, but it but it reads like, and because it's been a while since we've seen them in terms of like travel distance, it is kind of like, eh, don't worry about it. Yeah, here. We that's there, what's important. Yeah. Um, Sonic has passed out from doing the Kamehameha, and Maddie wakes him up, and he just says, "Gotta go fast." <laughs> 
Uh, he does and, literally say this. There are no spaces. And That's she how fast like he has to get she it takes it in stride. She walks out of the room with Tom, and then has like a very like predictable like what is going on? Is that an alien? But very um, like sweet and supportive. Yeah, yeah. In a way they that see- sort of tells you that she maybe is used to wild hairs like this. Yes, and a sort of archetypal, like long suffering. Very Gold much so. Friend kind of way. Yeah. Like, and has like her own accomplished career that she's clearly carrying out, like, despite Tom. <laughs> like, she has become a successful veterinarian despite whatever he's up to. Um, and so then, like, the final action sequence. Well, first they, they go to the building, they try to get the rings, but they're like somehow inside the building. So Sonic can't get to it by just running up the side. So they have to go through an elevator, comedy ensues, whatever. Um, <laughs> Then Robotnik does triangulate them and find them. Um, they've got the bag of rings, and Sonic pushes his friends off the roof. Then gotta go fasts all over the world. Like he runs up and down the Eiffel Tower. He runs um, over the pyramids in Egypt. And Eggman is behind him because he has some of the chaos power from the quill. So he can't outrun Sonic, but he can, like, keep up with him. Um, and eventually... Well, he just has he has less, like, fine control over the power and speed of the quill. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and it, like, right before Tom and Maddie hit the ground, Sonic has tossed a ring underneath him that transports them back to Green Hill Zone... Um, Robotnik and Sonic end up back there. I don't know the town. The townspeople of Green Hill pitch in to defeat Robotnik somehow. So, so this is a this is another thing that obviously worked better in the movie. Is there's this whole there's that whole sequence where Sonic is leading Robotnik on a chase around the world to see all the big landmarks like the Eiffel Tower and the Great Wall of China. And they're just kind of chasing each other through these like dimensional rings. And it, it, it one, it serves as a, I don't know, as a reason for there to be all these CGI set pieces. And then it also serves to remind you, oh, every time Sonic does this, he's burning another one of his He's only got one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Escape yeah. to mm-hmm. a place where nobody like is going to be able to get to him. Correct. Correct. Um, and then, yeah, the, the, the Green Hill Villager thing is kind of. There is, you know, the, the the thing that's like you have an idea and then a bunch of question marks and then profit. This is the stage where there are a bunch of question marks in between so, introducing the characters of Green Hills and then explaining <laughs> why they would be sympathetic towards Sonic. Yeah, they they the town knows that, or at least Crazy Carl, as he's nicknamed, has been referring to this blue devil who's been terrorizing him. Um, and so when Tom and Sonic are back there fighting Robotnik, um. The town is there, and Robotnik is like, why would you throw your life away for this thing? That's why I only have robots, never friends. They make you irrational. And then the town rallies behind their sheriff, and then uh, they rally behind the Blue Devil. Um, And so Sonic finally feels like people care about him, and he has a home. And so that's, like, I guess the moral of the story is, like, belonging and, and coming together. And also there's, like, Tom deciding not to go off and be a big city cop and like because Sonic's murders. made him a, yeah there's this thing where they re, they realize that Sonic makes this big electrical energy not because he's going super fast because he's having very strong emotions yes yes um and one of the times where like I think before he hadoukens the <laughs> like the egg the, mobile yeah, yeah. in the middle of the book he has the sequence where He's kind of upset with Donut Lord for wanting so badly to give up this thing that Sonic can't even. Oh have yes, because I remember that. Yes, hidden. yeah. And so that I mean, a- along with I think just kind of a by the book rural small town life versus big city narrative. Yep, very hallmark. Yep, yeah, convinces Officer Wachowski to stay in the Green Hill Zone with his with his wife fiance whatever and their blue hedgehog friend and they they end up having to burn the last ring uh to get rid of robotnik 
um, Sonic goes Super Saiyan and like spins around Robotnik a bunch, and then Tom tosses the last ring at him, ring toss style, and it teleports him to the mushroom zone where we never see Robotnik again. And Sonic gets a cool room in Tom's house that has yeah, all like of the, Sonic's posters on the wall. Like what the does Fonz that mean? Li- I don't know what that means. He's like the Fonz living above the garage in this house now. Um, <laughs> so, okay, Gloria, our resident movie expert, has told it. The one thing this, this, that the, the big thing that the book seems to skip that the movie does is that uh, Maddie has a sister sure. who wants maddie to divorce tom for reasons that i think are pretty obvious (laughs) but um but i guess this whole experience brings them closer together and then i guess sonic gets his red shoes from a little girl at some point during this thing too where in the book he just i think he just has shoes okay he just kind of has shoes that he that he wears all the time Weird. Like during the during the sequence with the baseball diamond where he makes the big electrical explosion, he is wearing sneakers. Already. Yeah, I think he just like took them as soon as he got to Earth. Like he just mm-hmm. got some shoes. Um so that's the end with the Green Hill people. They're living living happily ever after. Um he's gonna be like Tom's like secret like Batman partner, I guess. Even though um, everybody in the town knows about him and like gives him free burgers and stuff. There is like a little beat where like the government shows up and is like, hey, just remember about that weird hedgehog stuff. And Tom's like, what weird hedgehog stuff? And they're like, cool. See you later. Yeah, right. It's very it's very end of Stranger Things season one in a way like, hey, we know that this is weird, but we're not going to talk about it. Robotnik never existed. Bye, 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 bye. Okay, so let's talk sequels, because I think there there are at least two sequels that this book lays the groundwork for at least two (laughs) at least two there's the obvious one where there is an epilogue where a mysterious animal with two tails a fox with two tails is looking for sonic and thinks he has found him yes he has traveled presumably through another ring to the planet earth we guess and thinks he has found sonic now who is that andrew uh, that think? is a uh, Miles Tails per hour. Yeah, who is the Fox Boy from Sonic the Hedgehog two? Correct. Who's the first of Sonic's many friends? Who all? I think they have a pretty continuous decline in quality <laughs> as new ones are introduced. Yeah, by the time you get to Big the Cat, I think you're pretty far down the list. I always forget that Big the Cat is a Sonic friend and not like a Saturday morning, like a Garfield or Heathcliff sure. sort of competitor. Um, and then, well, we there were there was mention in the chat that like the echidna were res- were the reason that Longclaw died, and that's presumably Knuckles, who is from other Sonic games, who's an evil echidna, uh, including Sonic and Knuckles. Yes, the game Sonic and Knuckles. Uh, but what's the other like sequel? So the other, the, and this is a lower key one, and I want you to bear with me because the Sonic, okay, Sonic movie has succeeded. To a degree that I don't think anybody expected. Okay. So obviously, this uh, the obvious sequel with Tails and like Robotnik appears at the end, like living on the mushroom world and making plans to get back and get and get back at Sonic. It's basically like, obviously like that sequel's the Martian, happen. but it's Robotnik in another dimension. Like he's mm-hmm. there, like growing potatoes and making new robots. But you talked about um, Robotnik and his like he has that that monologue toward the end. Yeah, where he's talking about how he's how he's so much more comfortable with robots than with people, and there like, there's obviously a whole thing there. I think we are between three and four years from a movie called Robotnik that, in the style of Joker, explains to us how Robotnik became the way that he is. We only need, I think, we only need two more Sonic movies to succeed. And then we so, will get, we and will, then we'll get Robotnik. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, will it just be called Eggman? Ooh, it might just be called Eggman. And then the trailers will have um, "I Am the Walrus" by the Beatles playing. <laughs> Ooh, man. Why? Mm, why don't those execs come and knock on our door? That's what I want to know. We got, we got ideas falling out of our Eggman sleeves. Eggman is over the here. most important movie in America. 
The who who is more important to our culture than Eggman? <laughs> than Eggman. Uh, yeah, see, there will definitely be a real Sonic sequel where Eggman comes back and presumably tries to turn people into robots. But then, yes, Andrew, I am all in on an Eggman, like, Scorsese ripoff. <laughs> We've already got the scene Which where is- he dances. We've already got the scene where he dances. I know, and it gets nominated for Best Picture and something else wins and a bunch of nerds get mad on the internet about it. Okay. I've already... It's so... Because you you can write the movie and then you can also write the backlash without even really having to think about it that much and it just I don't know does it does do it you, is is it about the destination or is it about the journey you know I don't know do you think that uh, Eggman will be the new Joker where we're gonna get a new actor playing it every three years or is it gonna be Jim hmm. Carrey forever I mean I guess it depends on whether the Sonic the Hedgehog movie revitalizes jim carrey's career or not isn't he, he's on like a showtime show or something isn't it i don't i mean i i don't think that his career is dormant i do think this goofy 90s jim carrey that he tried to he was the shove biggest into a box movie. he was the with biggest it. movie star in the world i know but but he tried to shove this persona into a box starting circa like the truman show yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and he hasn't she hasn't he's kept that light under a bushel for all these years and so <laughs> What happens now if they if they do like the Dumb and Dumber thing and decide that we need Ace Ventura three? No, like Ace in the Hole, Ace is back. <laughs> That's the subtitle I came up with for the movie. <laughs> I think we can keep Ace Ventura away. I think we can put that away. I don't need mm-hmm. Ace Ventura. I had you fun. Need, with a you kid. don't need him, but he might show. He up might anyway. deserve him. Um, what I thought was fun about this book as a like. Put your head, put your, put your, hmm, put yourself in the head of a kid who loves Sonic. You're going to get, um, you're going to see some cool stuff that like reminds you of either the cartoons or the game. Like Sonic's going to run over cool geometry. Sonic's going to be super fast. Um, I don't, is there a spot where he explicitly rolls up into a ball? Cause I don't know. That there yes. Are, uh, yeah. It's, it is during the dive bar montage where oh. he's playing like a, like a ski ball basketball yes. kind of thing. Yes. And Officer Tom is throwing him like a like a basketball. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we've talked about how the like action sequences play, which is always my favorite part of reading a novelization of a movie, even when I find them unsatisfying, because it's like, how are you going to communicate this car chase to me? You're going to put a bunch of internal monologues in Sonic's head that probably aren't in the movie. Um, you're going to give me this weird honky tonk sequence. I can't imagine what Fegley had to do to come up with enough words for those Robotnik dancing pages. Like, yeah, like Kyle, if you are out there and you want to chat, like, come on, we will, we will, we would love oh to talk. God, to you. I would love to, because t- he's also like a professor of kids lit. Like, he might just be the perfect person to talk to. He's probably a rad dude. Yeah, man. All right. Like he is out there living his best life writing Sonic books. The only okay, the only thing I didn't like about this book Uh-oh. is there were no full color photos from the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the best part. Everybody knows that's the best part of any movie movie novelization is like the four pages in the middle that are printed on higher quality paper that show you the full color high quality stills from the movie with captions here's my theory though andrew we talked about how they got this out just in time i bet that maybe if they'd planned to have them they would have been of the old sonic so they took them out Ooh, look at you you're so smart i i have no evidence to support this except my own brain (laughs) i mean maybe when they They'll they'll do it backwards and they'll release the hardcover later than the oh paperback. Maybe they'll I, maybe they'll put the full color stills in the hardcover. I would pay money for a signed hard copy of this book by Mr. Fegley and or the Sonic team or both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's it, Andrew. Right? We gotta go fast out of here. Be. Yeah, we gotta go fast. Thanks to everyone listening thanks to everyone in our chat for joining us thanks especially for to gloria for bringing uh your expertise from the cinema uh to our podcast we couldn't have done it without you yeah bottomless unbounded knowledge of the sonic movie which i'm sure gloria has seen in theaters three times at least um i don't want to (laughs) like 
<laughs> I don't want to slander anybody, but this just feels like the right number of times. Correct. Um, so we uh, we are very thankful for everyone who's listening. You can send us your sonic thoughts uh, at overduepod at gmail.com or Facebook and Twitter.com slash overduepod. Um, as I said, thanks to everybody in the chat as well as the rest of our Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash overduepod for more information. Andrew, if they want uh, whatever, what's next? Overduepodcast.com <laughs> is the website. Everybody listening kind of knows about this, but for the people who are listening to it later, we also have links to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, our RSS feed. You can also find us on Spotify and Stitcher and a lot of other places. Uh, we have a Patreon page, overdue or patreon.com slash overduepod. Yep. If you want to be in the chat and be shooting us hot facts about the Sonic movie when we're talking about our next non-Sonic book, yep, we will still take them. And you can donate and you can find out how to do that. Great. Next one of those is in April. Um, by the time this podcast hits the main feed, we should have finalized our March schedule. So take a look at the website and social for that. Um, yeah, that's it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for showing up. This was super fun. This is what I wanted when I told Craig that we needed to read the Sonic novelization. <laughs> That's right. I am ready to claim it as my idea now. <laughs> Until we talk to you next time, thanks again for coming and try to be happy. I like the way you smile at me. I felt the heat that That was a HeadGum Podcast.